In Proverbs chapter 31, we'll be reading verses 10 through 31. The word of our Lord says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far more than rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profit she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all of her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all, he says. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works Praise her in the gates. Let's pray. God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love toward you that we loving you in all things and loving you above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. But it is Mother's Day. And uh, if you don't mind me observing, Mother's Day is always kind of complicated for a pastor. For me especially. You see, number one, I'm not a mom. Um, number two, um, God is not a mom. Nor is He a dad. He has revealed Himself to be our Father. But um, Mother's Day is, is kind of complicated because most moms don't seem to look like what is idealized in the Scriptures. You know, we read a passage like this and we think it's beautiful, but how many moms do you know that this describes like t- to a T? 
um, you know, buying a field and selling it for profit and, you know, going and making sashes for all the men at the, the gates, you know, cooking all the meals for the household. I mean, some of us dads, we, we pride ourselves in cooking, particularly man in the grill or something. Um, you know, spinning her own uh, yarn and making her own tapestries. There's a lot in here that we can, we, we pick up what it's communicating to us, but when you try to find uh, someone living today, a mom living today, that, that is, could be described in this exact same way, it's kind of weird because society is obviously very different. Our culture is very different. We are not, you know, living... Uh, 2,000 years ago in uh, the ancient Near East where there's a certain culture and certain cultural expectations about. Instead, we live in a postmodern and in many ways post-Christian Western America. And so Mother's Day is, uh, is it becomes complicated when you're, when you're trying to look at motherhood and moms specifically um, from a biblical perspective. And then to make matters even more difficult, uh, most of us have had pleasant experiences with our mothers, but not all. That kind of makes things weird. Um, many of our moms are no longer with us. That can lead to a, uh, a sad day. Half of us in here aren't even female. Many of us who are females, myself of course excluded, uh, aren't moms themselves. Some striving to have children have had difficulties while others have lost babies in their wombs. And so Mother's Day can be kind of complicated if you'll let me use Facebook relationship status lingo. It's complicated. While this might seem to be a cynical observation, the fact is that for many, uh, motherhood is a bit of a sore subject. But today is Mother's Day. It is a day that we celebrate moms. It is a day that we, in some uh, fleeting and some feeble attempt, try to honor our moms. It's a day where we try to, uh, in, some, in some families, try to compete with one another over who can get the biggest, most elaborate gift or the, go more in debt than the next person to, to make mom happy. Um, it's, it is Mother's Day. You know, the interesting thing about, um, about moms and motherhood in relationship to the scriptures and in relationship to God is that it is actually the nature of God that defines our ideals. One of the things that we, one of the errors that we make in pop theology um, in trying to, uh, to think about God in relationship to the world and our environment and particularly our culture is normally we take what we see and we take what we have and we take what we know and we try to push that up toward God um, and say, okay, well, if mothers are like this, then God must be like this. And that's not how theology works. That's not how the scriptures work. God has revealed himself to us. He has disclosed himself. He has made himself known to us so that we can shape our ideals 
around his character. Amen. One of the ways that we, um, that we get this sort of theology backwards is in the expression, we think it's biblical, but it's, it's not. The expression, love is God. That's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say that God is love. And what we're doing in that, whether we know it or not, is we're trying to say that all of our expressions of love are worthy and valid and therefore reflect God rather than God is the one who is love and therefore God is the one who defines what love is. Now, when we're dealing with Mother's Day, again, God has not revealed himself as God the Mother. He has revealed himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But fear not. Because there is language in the scriptures that speak of God in a motherly type way. Jesus himself, fully male, wept over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. I wanted to, to comfort you and nurture you like a mother hen nurtures her Young chicks. I wanted to, to pull you to myself and protect you. He's using, obviously, a mothering image. Um, God is the one who has created the world and all there is. And therefore, that which is, the, we speak of the transcendental virtues, truth, goodness, and beauty, those three, truth, goodness, beauty, those things God has embedded into His world to be reflectors and to be signposts that point back to Him. They not only direct our attention to God, but they are coming from God as rays of light to illumine us and to draw our attention. As Wheezy so well read to us from the epistle of James, every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. It's received as a gift from God. And so when we see good mothers, we see mothers that in some measure, even if it's impartial, in some measure reflect to us what the ideal ought to be. What God Himself is. And so we can actually speak of godly mechanics. And we would think, what in the world does a mechanic have anything to do with you know, godliness or the gospel? Well, it is a mechanic who is being a mechanic in the most godly way possible. He is idealizing what it is to be a mechanic. You can have a godly machinist. They didn't even have machinists in the ancient world. That's a modern endeavor, machining. But you can speak of a godly machinist. You can speak of a godly motocross competitor. And you'd say, what in the world does motocross have anything to do with the gospel or anything to do with theology? Well, to the extent that a person can reflect the nature of God in some measure and in some way, he can become a godly motocross competitor. And we can speak of godly mothers. Not because 
mothers tell us who God is, but because in some way mothers can show us the character of God lived out as it ought to be. Mothers, in large part, they teach us about self-giving. They teach us about being other-oriented. You know, quite literally, mothers are life-giving. Um, I think it was when uh, almost every time I have a, a child, or every time my wife has a child, I I mention it, the the fact that I'm still blown away by the miracle. You know, as a dad, I think it's kind of cool that you know I've created something, but. As a mom, Lindsay's done a whole lot more than I have in the creating process. Because mothers are not just life-giving, but they literally make room for another person in themselves and in their world. Many moms and moms ought to teach us what it is to be brave and strong. To be courageous, to be stable, to provide comfort and strength. They teach us about passionately jealous love. Our kids call Lindsay Mama Bear, and um, they use that term affectionately. She is their Mama Bear. She is the one who is passionate about them and who is jealous for them. Not envious, but jealous. That term jealous has a bad rap, especially in the dating world today. But to be jealous is a biblical picture of what love is. Out of love, I will not let you be unjustly harmed. I will not let you ruin your life. I will get angry about it. God got angry. That wasn't just a a little slip up or a blunder. And it wasn't just in the Old Testament. God in the New Testament gets angry. Jesus got angry. Good grief. He turned over tables in the temple. He came into church and was knocking chairs all over the place and throwing stuff down and screaming and yelling. I imagine he was screaming and yelling. Kind of paraphrasing. Mothers teach us what it is to be steadfast and patient. After all, they carry their babies for nine months. Nine months of discomfort. Nine months of stretching and hurting and this past pregnancy itching. They teach us what it is to be patient and steadfast. We can reflect, many of us, back on our moms and remember how patient they were with us. And how many times they neglected strangling us when we probably ought to have been strangled. Or at least it could have been justifiable. And they teach us what it is to be warm and sincere and and secure. You feel safe around a godly mother. A mom that reflects God is a mom that you want to crawl up with. A mom that you want to sit for hours and watch movies with. It's with these 
ideas and images in mind in the context of the church as the body of Christ that one of the that several of the early church fathers, most notably Cyprian of Carthage, said that you cannot call God your father until you learn to speak of the church as your mother. And we may think, well, wait a minute, is he talking about worshiping the church? No, he said the church you have to envision as your mother. In other words, the place where you can go and find nourishment and rest and security, a place that is a, a safe haven, a place that will passionately love you and be jealous of you. A place that can teach you to be brave and strong and other-oriented. Getting outside of yourself and living for the sake of others. And these ideals of motherhood, these characteristics that we think of as being reflective of a godly mother are not things that just point us to God and say, okay, well, if this is what moms are like, then this must be what God is like. No, these are the ideals that God in His character and in His nature has established. The nature of God defines our ideals. The interesting thing about Mother's uh, Day is captured in the name itself. Mother's Day. Notice it is a possessive word. Possessive like a jealous possession. Um, it, it, it's a possessive term. You've got that apostrophe and then an S. And so it's a singular noun, mother. And it is her day. This is not motherhood day. This is mom's day. It's a day about a person. It's not just about a platitude or an idea. It is about people that God has placed in our lives and people through whom God has seen it fit to give us life. And so Mother's Day really isn't about motherhood. It's about mom. A person created in the image of God and a person who's made room for us, sometimes very poorly, sometimes extremely well in her life, is a day where we give thanks and we give honor. Not a day where we're supposed to be about giving gifts or giving cards, although it's good to give gifts and it's good to give cards. In fact, uh, this gift giving and card giving is what drove nuts. Uh, Miss Anna Jarvis, back in 1908, she established Mother's Day to honor her mom who had died it just three years prior. And um, she wanted it to be a day where she would honor her mom, honor her mom by thanksgiving, honor her mom by speaking well of her, honor her mom in memory. And as the day became more popular and cards and gifts and all that sort of stuff got got uh, uh, got worked into the mix of it. It was Anna Jarvis, the founder of Mother's Day, who got angry about it and said, this is not what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about mom, not about how much money's in the bank and how much stuff you can get her. It's about honoring her and living for her and celebrating her. The fact that Mother's Day is about a person is actually very um, 
it is very gospel oriented because the gospel calls us to persons. It does not call us to platitudes. It calls us into the lives of other people. The good news, what God has revealed about Himself, how God has redeemed us, is about other people. God loved you, and therefore He redeemed you. God has placed in our lives other people. Moms, children, the bratty children of those other moms. Those other moms are mean and snarky. And as God has placed other people in our lives, moms as He has placed children in your lives, He has given to us a surplus of trust. In putting people in our lives, God puts an awful lot of trust in us because we can do great harm. But we can also do great good. We can break people. We can numb them. And we can lift them up and encourage them. James uh, talked about the power of the tongue and how just in our words we're able to do those sorts of things. Cut at people, but also edify them. And what he's telling us in the context of words is that God has given to us an incredible trust by placing other people in our lives. And it ought to be our um, aim in life to strive for the ideal of what God has established. To be the best at what we are. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of being the best doggone street sweeper there ever was. If, if that's your lot in life, if that's what you're going to be, be the very best at it. But the Scriptures also tell us that as God has placed others in our lives, as He's put that trust in us, that surplus of trust, He also will hold us accountable And we'll give an account for the investment that we've made in others. Proverbs, in speaking of the ideal wife, spoke about her being clothed with fine linen and purple. Spoke of her being strong, kind, and a caregiver for her household. 
Our husband declares, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. She looks for wool, flax, working with her hands. You may think, as a mom, you may think that doesn't describe me. But what is essential is it's describing the type of character that the ideal ought to have. And notice that character is other oriented. How do you know that this virtuous wife is a virtuous wife? Well, he ends by saying, let her own works praise her in the gates. In other words, the life she lives and the fruit of her life, it's going to declare how wonderful she is and how virtuous she is. But notice all of these things are in relationship to other people. Her husband, her children, not just her husband and her children, but all of her household, which in the ancient Near Eastern world meant there were a lot of people. Servants and the children of servants and all the people that would live in, within a household. Even folks in the community. Merchants who come in through town. All of those other people were testimonies to her virtue. So whether you are a mom yourself or not, whether you had an ideal mom or not, or whether you ever intend to become a mom or not, we can all strive to be more godly. Strive to be more godly and strive to be more gracious. Gracious is not just being able to speak a kind word. Being gracious means to be a means of grace to others. We are not called to be neutral people. People who just don't have an effect on anybody. I'm just trying to mind my own manners and get through life without affecting other people. We are called to have an effect on others. God has placed us in the lives of others. and He's placed others in our lives. And today is that day where we give thanks to God for the ones that gave us life and the ones that kept us living. We can strive to be more godly and more gracious. And we can interact with one another and our moms with honor. Let's pray.